Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place for bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Hello there, my loves, my fellow red women, my Magdalenas, my sisters of the rose, my wild women, my red mavens. (laughs) my mystics, my high priestesses, calling you all here now with me. You know, I wanted to beam in again and offer a second part to a red podcast that I produced just a couple weeks ago called What Home Is. So this is What Home Is Part 2. And I wanted to bring my heart to you in an intimate way, an intimate conversation, because I realize we're still inside the lion's portal as I am recording this, this, you know, very high frequency time in the wheel of the year. When everything that we create or we speak into being during this time is amplified and, and it's really about communicating with your higher self and your allowance for that higher self to become more deeply adhered to or listened to in your everyday actions. And I've realized, you know, one of the things that I was musing on in the other episode of What Home Is, I was musing on this rite of passage, this journey of our lives, the bigger mythic overview of our lives that we're all on, you know, we're all finding our way, remembering who we are, forgetting who we are, re-emerging, being unwoven and rewoven. And there's a level at which that's incredibly normal, right? It's just our lives. Everybody goes through these experiences and that's kind of normal, if normal can be used as a word to describe that. And it's also magical and fantastical and epic and dramatic and wild and unpredictable and gorgeously harmonically resonating with some greater than imagined story. And one of the things that I think I am here to amplify and I'm here to really walk and talk about, and this really comes from the Leo perspective. Um, For those of you who don't know, I am a triple Leo. (laughs) I feel like you're coming out of the closet when I say that. (laughs) Somehow it's a dirty secret. It's really not, but my sun rising and moon, um, moon, my sun rising and Venus are all in Leo. And then the rest of my chart hangs out in Cancer energy. And so there's a beautiful contradiction there, right? 
The reason I'm bringing up this Leo line energy is that the the journey of Leo as an archetype, not just my archetype, but all of us in the zodiacal system is the journey from the overburdened, over encumbered um, self to the divine child innocence, to the freedom, to the wildness of our free expression. And the illumination of the essence self or the divine purpose for which we came here or the internal prosperity that we all carry, that shard of light, that divine imprint that we all have within us is um, is really what this season of the year is all about. But it's also a phase of development, right, in our individual and collective journey, which is about finding our purpose and finding the marriage between our greater than imagined stories, our divine self, our mythic self, and our very human self. And I feel like one of the things that's happened in this last couple months of being away from the US and re-emerging into this world in England has been this journey that's very much to do with the the mundane and the and the sacred you know, that beautiful marriage between our third dimensional lives and our fifth dimensional lives, between the so-called normal and the poignant or the soul-led, the ego-led life and the soul-led life dancing together in this intimate way. And I feel like at the heart of the red teachings of the Magdalene is really this this notion of becoming fully anthropos, becoming fully human. What does that even mean? In the Gnostic literatures, you know, of early Christianity, before Christianity was really even Christianity, but was, um, you know, part of a Gnostic school of a mystery school, really. Jesus and Magdalene spoke about this term to become fully anthropos, to become fully human, an awakened human. I've been in a deep, deep contemplation about what that means and the pathway to truly embodying that. And I do feel really clearly now that this journey of the divine feminine, the journey of the awakening and the the remembrance of the divine feminine that has been so deeply lost in our culture for the last few thousand years is is this journey of embodiment, is this journey of understanding that we awaken our divinity, our higher self, through our human journey, that it's through our human journey that we awaken the the higher frequencies of who we actually are. It's through the challenges, it's through the mishaps, the missteps, the broken parts, the hurt parts, the exalted parts, all of the the amazing things that we go through and all the difficult things that we go through in our human life. It's in those moments of our deepest humanity, our deepest humility, our deepest places of pain and joy that we're led to that deeper connection to our divinity, right? To that higher self stepping in. And I think that I, well, I don't think it, I know it, that my, my purpose for being here, my purpose for being 
here this lifetime is to illuminate the gift of each one of us, the gift of each and every one of us in our fullness, that truly the gift of your being, your fully realized self, you know, your awakened self, when you are fully in that marriage between your deep humanity and your deep power as a divine being, that's the whole point, right? That's the mythic quest, (laughs) is to awaken that capacity within us. And we all have it. And it looks different. The fractal of God, goddess, divine one that you are is unique. And yet we are all the same. And this, this knowing that we're walking this earth walk to awaken that remembrance is, um, somehow reassuring. And I wanted to share with you a little story. So just yesterday, I took a very long drive a four-hour drive to go to the cemetery where my mom is buried, where my nan and granddad are buried, where my uncle and aunt and my cousin are buried. There's like a whole family situation over there. Um, and it's also in the town where I grew up as a kid, where I lived until I was in my early, early late teens, I guess, my late teens when I left to go to Israel. Whole of the story there. And I was meeting my brother at the cemetery and we were going because um, my mom passed in 2019 and we had buried her in the cemetery. We hadn't been able to go back since because of COVID, the COVIDian era, right? And also the headstone had not been um, ready to be erected. Well, as it would happen serendipitously this week, while I was still here in the UK, the headstone was completed. And so it felt important that we go. And I don't know what we thought we were going to do, just honor her, honor us. I don't know. Well, the story goes like this. It was a really, really hot day yesterday. And here in the UK anyway, and I was um, walking through the cemetery and looking, you know, for her, her grave and marveling at the amount of lines of graves that had come after her, um, which I think speaks to the COVID era. As I was walking to find her grave, I noticed that um, there was a grave to a Mr. Michael Leopard, who was a school teacher and historian. And I remembered that he was actually my religious education teacher in school. And um he seemed really old to me then, so I was marveling at the fact that he'd only just passed, I think, at the grand old age of 90. Um, so I walked past his grave and I found my mum's grave. And I don't know what I was expecting in this moment. My, my brother was walking up towards me too. We met there. And I had bought flowers and water for the flowers. And I... I decided I wanted to arrange, you know, in the little vase at the front of the gravestone there, some flowers. And as we were standing and chatting with each other in the very hot sun, I was arranging flowers. I was kneeling on my mum's grave and it was the most normal thing in the world. And it was so normal in its poignancy. It was like, it was like 
there was no drama and there really wasn't even a large amount of emotion. It was almost like we were just hanging out together, me and my brother, just chatting and mum was there. And in that moment, I had this extraordinary feeling of how important places, not just inside of us, but how important it is to have that place. I'd never really understood. I mean, I understood the desire to return to the earth and to be absorbed back into the earth. I can really understand that as a choice at death. And I never really understood the poignancy of the cemetery when your family is buried there. And there is this there, there, right? There's this place. There's this place where you can... um connect, where you can connect into their presence. It's like, you know, she's down there. And that sounds kind of morbid or even macabre, right? But I had this vision of her coffin down there beneath me and her skeleton. I'm assuming she's a skeleton at this point. I actually don't know that, but I'm assuming that might be the case. And um, it felt really normal and reassuring and kind of I don't the word cozy comes to mind. Not exactly cozy, but somehow peaceful. And we talked about the fact that my mum had died just before COVID hit and how it was such a good thing that she died before COVID hit because probably COVID would have killed her and the fear of it probably would have killed her. She was somebody who struggled her entire life with pretty severe mental and physical health problems. And so... She was never well, and, and so there was a blessed release in her not having had to travel through the COVID. So as we're chatting, you know, in this very kind of normal way, I kind of, you know, arrange the flowers, and then I, I kind of have a moment where I pat down the earth, and I'm talking to my brother about um, the flowers that mum would want on her grave. You know, my mum loved a good garden, Margaret, Margaret Anne. Margaret means pearl and it's connected into the Magdalene. And my mum was very strong Christian, evangelical Christian, very strong relationship to Jesus. It's a whole other story right there. So anyway, we were talking about the flowers that we would want to plant on her grave. And it's as if I could hear her in the background sort of you know, letting me know that they needed to be well taken care of and that she wouldn't want dead flowers on her grave, which is absolutely correct. My mum had a very small council flat um, in the village where she lived. And out of all the council flats, she was the one that had all the window boxes and all the plants outside. And it was like hers looked like it was always, always dressed and everybody else's seemed quite bland and boring in comparison. Um, so we went and sat over on this bench underneath a beautiful copper beech tree after we'd left the flowers. And there was a digger and there was some, you know, a crew of guys who were digging a new grave. It seemed oddly normal too. And we were kind of bantering with them about how hot the weather was and how hard the earth was. And it was also very normal, you know, the dead, the burial, the dressing of the graves, the digging of the graves. It was like there was this place where everything felt so easeful. 
And I don't think it's what I expected or my brother expected, actually. I thought we thought we might be kind of emotional. And I was sensitive. I did feel tender. And there was a, you know, a moment when a tear dropped down my cheek and I just was, I was just sitting in the, in the beauty of the normalcy of poignant human life and death. And there was that moment where I was struck by how, what is it, what it is that I love about being from this culture. And it's that, you know, what others might call the understatedness of the English, you know, that there's not a lot of apparent expression externally of emotion. But there is this presence of heart that I felt from the guys. See, now I'm going to cry. From the guys who were digging the grave, they, they knew what we were up to clearly, right? From us being there. But it wasn't spoken. It was all just there. In the air. It was all just part of the milieu. I'm saying we were sitting in the, <laughs> in the, you know, the British fascination. We're talking about the weather. And I felt like it was the most, normal thing in the world and yet there was this poignancy that if you were viewing it from the outside it was like a clip from a from a movie or you know where there's so much feeling it's just present but not necessarily being fully expressed externally but being held within but deeply felt And there's something about that nuance that speaks to what home is. For me, in that place of honouring the subtext, the complexity of the subtle levels of what's happening in any given moment in the semiotics of the field, the symbolic field, And that's something that I miss in my life in the States. There's so much expression and so much forthrightness and so much expansion and possibility and and rugged individualism and, you know, greater than imagined heights and dreams that being in the United States brings that I'm so grateful for that is why I live there. And I miss a certain depth of field that is intrinsically, culturally embedded and that you would miss, that you might miss, that you probably would miss if you didn't have the the language, the the subtextual language. You know, it's like when you travel to a different culture, you don't understand the all of what you're looking at. You can get the feeling of it, but you, you don't have the nuances. I always remember that when I lived in India when I was in my 20s. And we talk about a foreign culture, talk about it, you know, an incredibly different culture. 
And I was aware at every moment that, that I was missing 90% of the conversation, not just because I didn't speak the language, but because I didn't speak the cultural language and I didn't understand the cues or what was going on, you know, and, um, and the relationships between people and all the things that were occurring in the subtext, culturally speaking. So what home is in this moment is an honoring, right? Of all these pieces that weave us into oneness, that are threads that come together alchemically to create our narrative, our life experience, our stories. So I'm wondering, as I'm speaking, of that interface between the sacred and the profane in your life and the connection points of the poignant and the normal, the interweave of our humanity and our divinity that's happening all the time, multidimensionally, all parts of ourselves are present here, whether we're aware of it or not. And one of the things that I've been marveling at the most is the opportunity to just be untethered, something that I wrote about last week, but to be untethered from my normal routine that offers me some kind of spaciousness around contact with people that are not part of my sphere, right? People who I don't know. I'm really being in the moment of bringing my full presence to that contact and experiencing what it is to to be with the normalcy of the conversation, the small talk, you could even call it, and the real contact. And catching that glimpse of the eye where there's an opening for the heart to connect. And so one of the things that I've been doing as I've been moving around, I've been experimenting with this, you know, as a Magdalena and a scent anointing priestess, you know, I always have my anointing oils on me and I'm, you know, available to see when they might be called upon and when I might be called to offer an anointing to someone. And um, <laughs> that has led to some really fascinating exchanges and conversations with people that I know and don't know. And, um, just yesterday, I had the fabulous experience of offering an anointing to an old, old friend of mine. And breaking through the separation of, you know, my role, your role, who we are to each other, the history, whatever, the whys and wherefores of why we come together through to a moment of soul connection where it's, it's timeless. And so I guess part of what my reflection is about where home is, is that home is timeless. It's a physical place. It's your roots. It's your ancestors. It's the headstones and gravestones and the remains of 
many, many generations of your family, if you have the privilege to know where they are buried, and I know for some you really don't, it's language, it's semiotics, it's cultural cues, it's subtext, it's poetry, it's the foibles of our humanity. It's the nuances of the dance that happens differently in different languages and in different cultural contexts. And then it's the universality of our humanity and our journey to come home to ourselves, to come home to a sense of presence here as divine humans. You know, it's so big, isn't that? This concept of home. Oof. So my invitation has been to continue, and I feel like I could probably wax lyrical about this for a lot longer. <laughs> um, for the journey has not yet completed. <laughs> I have another another journey happening this weekend that I'm not going to share with you about right now, but it's coming up. I'm sure that there'll be another podcast episode about it. <laughs> More reflections um, from this from this world of movement. So perhaps I'll leave it here today to just share with you this intimacy and my intention for this is to have more of this in my life, more realness, more intimacy with you, with my own life, with myself, with my loved ones. I feel like part of the Magdalene journey is this journey not part of it, I feel like it's at the heart of it truly, is the journey to me more fully embodied as a human being, fully anthropos. And that one of the superpowers of the feminine embodied is intimacy and vulnerability and strength and realness and authenticity. And um, that's what I'm amplifying into the space right now for my journey going forward, for our journey going forward, for this, the whole point of why to do the Red Podcast in the first place. Um, yeah. There's something, for me, very intimate about voice to heart, heart to voice communication. And um, just sitting here talking to you, not necessarily knowing who you are on a personality level, but feeling your presence as another amazing being on the path of remembrance. So thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for weaving your heart to mine. And yeah, let me know what arises in you from these stories. I send you so much love. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website, elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you, if you loved this episode, to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. 
It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings. Thank you.